listeners, welcome back to another episode of How It's Reported. Today we have two special guests, Artie and Silas, who are part of the Emeralds News Desk. Um, how are you guys doing today? Doing well, thank you. Happy to be here. Good. How are you, Silas? I'm, I'm doing well as well, and I'm, I'm also happy to be here. Yay, that's good. <laughs> um, so, obviously you guys wrote the Week 8 cover story, um, which is a very in-depth story. And... Um, before we get going in the content, I just kind of want to get a summary of what it was about. So, Artie, can you kind of just give us a quick summary? Yeah. So, on Monday, we put out a story on a whistleblower retaliation lawsuit that was filed against the University of Oregon this past spring. And it was filed by Monica Bray, who was the Associate Dean of Graduate Programs at the College of Business. And she's alleging that, um, among other things, she was let go by the university in retaliation for reporting what she believed to be discrimination in the college's admissions and hiring practices, um, which would, of course, be illegal. And this story um, had a lot of different sources and just claims and lawsuits jargon which was just obviously like a huge story um so silas can you guys can you kind of talk about how you guys divided the work between you two and what both of you did separately to kind of get the story to come together uh yeah we kind of well we kind of did a lot of stuff together um we uh individually reached out to several people um we 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 brainstormed some questions together and then uh, divided up the contact list and, and sent, sent some questions out to different people. Um, and then, yeah, the main sources of this were the court documents. So the complaint that Monica filed and, uh, the UVO's answer. So, um, we kind of, we both looked at those and picked out what we thought was important and then, uh, moved on from there. Yeah. Um, and I, I haven't done a lot of work with reporting on lawsuits in general. Um, can you guys kind of talk to me about how you got your information, um, like what public public records are? I think that's like an important thing for people who aren't journalists to kind of know where we're getting our information from when we are reporting on something that's so high profile as this. Sorry, can you kind of talk to me about that a little bit? Yeah, public records are one of those things that journalists seem like the only ones that talk about it or care about it, really. But um and, you know, everybody has a right to look at public records. And so when somebody files a lawsuit, there's a complaint, and that says basically what's being alleged, uh, what kind of money they're seeking, some background info, and then it's got a narrative that sort of explains a timeline of what happened from their point of view. And then we had, like Silas said, the university's response that they filed in court uh, denying the allegations, uh, which is pretty standard. And so that's all that we had at that point. Uh, because the complaint was pretty detailed, and we were able to come up with a list of records that we could request from the university that uh, could help us kind of fill the gaps between, I guess, truth and uh, hearsay. And so requesting those records was one of the first things we did, I think, like seven weeks before we actually published the story. Yeah, I actually was wondering, when did you guys, like, hear about this? Um, how did you learn about the story, and what made you guys want to, you know, report on it? Can you Can you kind of elaborate on that, Silas? Uh, yeah, well, I think I might actually punt this way to Artie in a second because he really uh, <laughs> he discovered it. But he once he found out about it, he came to me asking if I wanted to uh, work on it with him. And, and it sounded like a really interesting story. So I was I yeah, immediately said yes. Easy decision. Awesome. Yeah. And I. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No. So I 
I first heard about the case over the summer. I can't take credit for finding it at all, but I was at the Malheur Enterprise and uh, I was kind of taking a pause from the Emerald. And then in June, our news editor, Jack Forrest, contacted me and some of our other staff and uh, let us know that Monica Bray had just filed this lawsuit against the university. And I kind of knew that it was something that we definitely wanted to look into and that I was going to take some time. And so when I got back to the Emerald, I read the case really closely and I thought we got to do a story on this, but that's why we've got a news desk. So Silas had joined our desk in the fall and he seemed to have a bit of an interest in investigative reporting and I told him about it and he said, let's do it. So we got to work. Yeah. No, I think, I think it was a great story. I loved the story. I thought, um, one of the most noticeable things to me, though, was uh, a lot of sources that didn't get back to you guys. Can you kind of talk about how, well, obviously as a journalist, it's super frustrating when you like ask questions and nobody responds, especially when you're working on a piece that's so big like this story. Um, how do you kind of ba- like find a balance between, you know, trying to find sources, but also when they don't respond how you kind of continue and try to find content that would still be relevant and also progress your story. Um, can you talk about that a little bit, Artie? Yeah, and I, I'm glad that that came through um, because, like, when we were talking about starting with those two court documents, that's really all that we had at that point because yeah. um, we a, a key thing with the story is we wanted to give a fair opportunity for everyone involved to clarify anything so we started contacting some of the people who were mentioned in the lawsuit like the dean of the business school for instance sarah nutter uh with pretty detailed questions and people just weren't getting back to us um instead we heard from a u of o spokesperson who we had not contacted with sort of a general statement about the university's commitment to promoting diversity and providing equal opportunities for employment and things like that and basically we can't comment further because of privacy issues for university employees. And also Bray's attorney um, said he'd be happy to look over our questions. And so we sent a lot of questions um, and he declined to comment. So we kept trying, uh, but to no avail. And so those are all things we wanted to be very clear uh, about in the story. Yeah. Um, This is kind of a little bit of a non sequitur, but obviously you both are UO students, correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So do you think it's easier to report on a story um, at the UO about UO professors, kind of like a hush-hush scenario? Do you think it's easier to report as a student who attends the UO, or do you think this is kind of one of those stories that you didn't want to have any connection to in general? What about you, Stylus? Um, I don't think it really made you know that big of a difference for me. Um, I mean, a st- in my opinion, you know, a story is a story, and I felt, you know, this was this needed to be covered, and already felt it needed to be covered, so we wrote about it. I don't think, um, you know, as journalists, we're supposed to hold those in power accountable, and so yeah. even if that's our school, you know, that's it's our job. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. Um, I think it it means a lot to tell a story about you know some even if it's somebody at your school just um because obviously it's connected to us it's re- uh relevant to our community relevant to like where we work so i think it's a it was cool that you guys are able to have the opportunity to write a story on it um i wanted to know what was the most surprising thing about the story that you found out when you were researching and writing uh let's start with you Artie. i know it's kind of a big question you guys can think about it for a second too <laughs> 
the most can you say that again the most um yeah what 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 surprised you the most about the story when you were writing and researching it like any you know anybody not talking that you thought would talk or um, well you know i mean i certainly learned a lot from this story uh, because i already knew that the university's pr system is kind of a tight system and i would say definitely yeah. a controlled system uh, by design and I honestly don't know well I shouldn't say by design because I don't really know um, if for sure if it's a university policy um, or if, if you know employees are just wary to talk about stuff but to have all these administrators and faculty and what have you all get routed to one office or a couple of offices um, I just found that kind of stunning and uh, it's not that we haven't had that happen before but just to see it happen sort of unanimously here um that did strike me and then yeah. I, w I would also say that um once it occurred to us that the people we were reaching out to were staying quiet we started looking elsewhere and so we contacted the business school just to try to get an understanding of how the admissions process worked and we were able to help get some like helpful context there um but we got to the point where it was friday and we were going to publish the story monday and in seven weeks, we still didn't have the records we were looking for. I think the only record they sent was a record that she had been terminated on a certain day. Um, and by that point, the records had just been whittled down to a couple based on their policy on what's public. And so um, recently, the records office had even refused to give us a timeline, even though they're legally required to. So that did sort of surprise me um, until eventually um, they said, we expect to send them by this day. And this day came still no records. So I sent what I would call uh, a stern email to those folks. Strongly, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And strongly worded and we got the records. But, but also also professional. We will we will add that. Yes. It was very professional already. It's a Thank good you. combination. It's Always good professional. Combination. Yeah. Um and so yeah, and we got the records after that. And what they sent us was essentially the emails between Monica and others that she referenced as evidence of uh, discrimination against international students in the wait. College. Just sorry to interrupt. Just to clarify, who is the who are you writing to about this? The university's public records office. Okay. Okay. So it got to Friday when we were supposed to have records and we didn't have the records. And so mm -hmm. I emailed them. They sent the records, and um, these records that we got were emails that Monica referenced as evidence of discrimination against international students uh, in the college's admissions. And so they were heavily redacted. To the point where um, almost any time somebody said something like, I'm very concerned about blank. The rest of that sentence or paragraph or whatever was blacked out. So we were really on our own. And I guess to make a long story short, we had to tell this story, like Silas said, while relying almost entirely on court documents um, and kind of explaining to readers what we were working with. Yeah. Kind of just going off to Silas. Yeah. What did you find surprising or what did you learn about this? Uh, obviously, it could be kind of similar to what Artie just said because you guys were writing the same story. But, yeah, what did you learn as a journalist? Specifically since, you know, uh, you said you're interested in investigative journalism. And I'm guessing this is probably one of your first big pieces of investigative journalism. Yeah, this is my first big piece. And, uh, you know, and I, I this is my first year as at the Emerald, as Artie referenced. And, mm -hmm. um I am pretty new to, to, to journalism and reporting as it is. So, um, so this was a really, really eye opening, uh, experience for me. I got to, uh, really learn how to, you know, deal with some, you know, situations that were tough. It wasn't just a puff piece, obviously it was, uh, you know, yeah. you have to ask some tough questions and there's some serious implications. And then also the, the use of public records, I think, 
you know, that's something I really had little to no idea on how to request those or what I could access and um, just seeing how much uh, information is accessible to the public. It was uh, eye-opening. I, I, I think I really, um, you know, I got a lot of new tools to use yeah. uh, reporting in the future. So, um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a great, fantastic learning experience for me. And, and it was awesome working with Artie. He's a cool dude. So, yeah, <laughs> it was fun. Thank That's you, awesome. Silas. You're a cool dude. um yeah just for kind of going off what you were saying about public records i took a class that was kind of surrounding public records and we heavily was we were lectured heavily on you know we have the right to know what's happening with people who are you know in the public eye and just you know people in general and i'm always just surprised by like the bureaucracy that's just surrounding like bigger corporations our school everything which can make our jobs very hard sometimes so just like you kind of saying about how you learned a little bit about public records, can you kind of just talk about how anybody can access it? Where do you go for it? What what like websites do you have to go to? Can you just talk about that for a second, Artie? Well, I think it depends on what you're looking for. Um, for okay, let's let's yeah. let's specify for this piece specifically. For this piece, for lawsuits. Um, for this piece, uh, for example, anybody could go down to the local courthouse and. Um, either ask for the records for copies or go on a computer and look up the records. Um, in, in our case, uh, as a newspaper, we pay for a service where we can look at these online, but anybody has access to them. Um, you know, There are also federal records that you would have to pay for, but this is a local case, so we did not have to do that. Um, but like, as far as the university's records... Um, and any other public records office, it, this, this whole thing is sort of ironic because in theory we would have the same kind of common goal of, of transparency. And so as far as the public records office, I hope that we can have more transparent communication going forward because they've got a very important job. And it's our job to seek out documents like that that inform the community on things that they ought to know about. But in this yeah. case, we got pretty much nothing for them. Yeah. And so I'd love okay. to. I'd love to be able to tell the public that they can get access to whatever records that they want, but we found that that might be a little more difficult. Uh, but it certainly helps to know the law uh, in your state. Yeah, that's good to know. Okay. So yeah, just kind of, you know, changing the subject again. This piece really educated me on, you know, some things I don't necessarily want to hear about about my school. But why do you think this is an important uh, story for UO students and staff to read? Let's start with you, Silas. Oh boy, that's a good question. Um... I think it's important to know what's going on behind closed doors in your school. What are the issues going on? Because ultimately, you know, we're paying to be here and to learn. And um, if our teachers are disgruntled or there's a lot, a lot of extracurriculars going on behind closed doors, you know, the students should know about it. They should know what's going on and uh, what is the university doing and how are they handling things and or not handling things. Like, see, we should know what's going on. And it's an it's important for us to know. Yeah. And do you have anything to add to that, Artie? No, yeah, I would agree with all of that. I mean, I would say that if somebody makes serious allegations against the university, um, I would say that the university's community has a right to know that and they should know that. Um, and say, I mean, I'm not even talking about this case, but say somebody files a lawsuit and it has no merit, uh, and the university has a right to defend itself. And, um, you know, if, if, 
not speaking about the university, but a lot of times lawsuits end in settlements. And where does that money come from? Um, a lot of times it comes from public funding. And so people have a right to know that as well, I think. Mm-hmm, absolutely. The lawsuit is happening, but I think you said the court date isn't happening until late. Do you say June 22nd or something? Yes, June 22nd, which I believe is a year after she filed the lawsuit initially. Okay. Um, where does that lead you guys? Would you guys want to do another piece, like an update? I mean, Artie, I think you're graduating, but Silas, would you want to kind of like reconvene on this and write a, like a second part to the story? Yeah, well, unfortunately, I'm graduating too. Well, maybe it's oh, not maybe it's no. not unfortunate <laughs> that I'm graduating, but that's a good thing. But um <laughs> but no, I uh I think it would be interesting to follow up on it. Um maybe whoever's yeah. at the Emerald in that at that time, but Artie is an editor, so he might know he might know a little more than me. Yeah, you got to pass it down to somebody. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, if the trial happens in June, we certainly hope that, um, I mean, I would try to make sure that whoever follows us tries to cover that. And um, But that also depends because we don't know if that trial is going to happen in June. A lot of times trials get rescheduled or it doesn't even go to trial. Maybe they just decide to settle out of court, which is very possible. Um, but, yeah, we kind of have no no idea of what direction this case is going in for the reasons that we mentioned. Yeah. I, I usually like to just take a second and just ask, is there anything you guys want to talk about specifically about this story? Maybe something you learned, maybe something, you know, that you'd like to pass on to journalists or non-journalists? Yeah, I just like to ask, check in. Silas, um, you can go. Anybody can go. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, I think we, we obviously, we've already touched on it. Like, um, it's important to know what's going on in your community. Um, but I also think as far as public records go, I think, you know, you don't have to be a reporter to, you know, get public records. If you want to know what's going on, feel free to, you have a lot more access to things than you think. So, um, yeah, things can be more transparent than I think people really understand. Yeah. You actually just reminded me of another question I had for Artie. You said that you wrote kind of like a, you know, a strict, but professional, you know, email. (laughs) How would you, how, can you kind of tell me what kind of things you say in an email when you're like a young journalist who, you know, you feel like you don't necessarily have, you know, I don't know, like a reputation yet or like, you know, crazy big credibility. How do you keep, how do you tell people to, you know, respond and be interested in the story and, you know, be responsive in general? Well, I can't speak for what they're thinking on their end. Um, If they're looking at me as a student journalist, uh, I'm maybe they are it's very possible uh i don't i i like to tell our reporters not to think of themselves that way um we're doing the real work um we are reporters and um i think that i think i wouldn't have wanted to send an email like that or been comfortable if i didn't feel like i had done my job and i had done my due diligence and i had gotten ahead of it and so i think that you get around that by just doing all the right things and being ethical and um like I said, doing your due diligence and being fair to everyone, which I think that even though we had a lot of frustrations reporting on this story, um, I slept well at night um, knowing we weren't going to get anything wrong and that we, we gave everybody a fair chance to uh, comment on it, even if they didn't want to. Um, so, yeah, that's what yeah. I would say. Um, what's the editing process of a story like that that is so huge? Um, how long does it take to edit a story and kind of like fact check everything that you wrote about? You guys are laughing, so I'm guessing it was a, a long time. It was, Silas, you want to expand on that? It, it was a process. It was. It took a while. Yeah. Um, I think I think on the Google Doc it was like six pages, and 
Um, but we, uh, I saw the edits. It's stressful. Yeah, <laughs> no. Yeah. We went, um, uh, we went several times through, we read through it several times and, uh, reworked it. And, um, we went, uh, line by line, any facts that could be attributed to any source. We, we, we looked it up and cross-referenced it and then made a footnote or said like, you can find it on the complaint, a paragraph, you know, whatever. Um, and we, yeah, we did that line by line for six pages. And then, um, obviously me and Artie did that. And then the team of editors at the Emerald and the copy desk who everybody was just awesome. Um, shout out to them right now. Um, they, uh, it, yeah, it was just a a long, tedious process. I'm sure Artie can have more because he, he did a lot of editing too. No, I mean, we, we, we wrote a draft and then we sort of, I think we kind of took a couple of days away from it and came back to it and said, what's missing? Yeah. Um, and it was pretty clear to us when we were sort of editing it uh, in, the, in the days prior that we hadn't been clear enough about our process. And people might read that story and go, this is all court documents with some background on admissions. Um, did they even bother reaching out to people, for example? And so um, we wanted to be very clear. And we left an editor's note at the bottom about exactly who we reached out to. And yeah. um, the people, for example, that we said could not be reached uh, in time for publication, those are people we reached out to pretty closely. Um, and, uh, if there's one thing we could do differently, we might've reached out to sort of everybody earlier on rather than the people who are directly involved in the lawsuit. Although the hunch I have is that, you know, due to the pending litigation, like they have been, everybody's been a little quiet. Um, cause we made sure to let them know that even after publication, if they want to get back to us, we can update the story. Um, but yeah, that was sort of the process was just looking at what's missing and filling in the gaps and making sure that we had a complete story that, um, readers could understand our process because I think that helps. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's also something to be said about, you know, reading all these legal documents and having to kind of transcribe it to people who are just, you know, reading a news story at the beginning of the day, you know, trying to make sure it's understandable. And I think you guys did like a really good job of making the whole thing super understandable. So congratulations, you guys. This is a great week eight story, um, you know, cover story. And that's kind of all the questions I have for you guys. Uh, but if you have anything to add, you know, where, where can we find you guys? Where what do you guys on Twitter? What are you guys? Where are you guys at? You can find me on Twitter at Artie Tabrizian, uh, A-R-D-Y-T-A-B-R-I-Z-I-A-N. I don't know my Twitter handle off the off the top of my head. It's either it's Silas Sloan, but it's I don't hang on. You can just look it up. Yeah. And don't follow me on Instagram because I don't post on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I made that. I made that mistake. <laughs> it's hard. I try to post on Instagram, but it's just—I don't know. It's just not my. It's not my platform to post news. I feel like Twitter's just better. Yeah, yeah, Agreed. and you can you can find me on Twitter um, at Silas Sloan. It's at S I L A S L O A N. I dropped dropped the second S to make it look cooler and combined it <laughs> i thought it was cool but it just confuses people people think my last name is loan while you're at it why don't you memorize your twitter handle yeah that's probably <laughs> a good idea <clears throat> and i was talking to a few other news uh you know news writers and they say they very much encourage people to write uh to send them in you know news tips or yes please. you know story tips so send them to them because we have a hard-working team and you know it's hard to be you know, know every story that's happening around the community, especially at a college town. So send them in some news tips and everything. But 
thank you so much for joining me today, you guys. It's been great talking to you. I love the story, and um, you're welcome back anytime. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And thank you, Emerald listeners, for joining us for another episode of How It's Reported. We'll be back soon. Thank you, and have a good day.